The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Absent Minded. After a brief hiatus, you have me, Patrick Bexel, as the host, and I'm joined by none other than, than, than the amazing, fantastic, most outspoken person that I know, Anton Rasegård. You're, you're, you're one of my favorite people here on the pod. Oh, thank you. We are not that many on the pod, but thank you. That means a lot to be one of your favorite people. Yeah, I well, thought you were going to say... No, I thought you were going to say the favorite person, and now I'm a little bit, a little bit disappointed here. We, we all know that Gillian is number one. It's it's, oh, it's okay, as easy cool. as that. So, yeah. so you're you're the first among the men. You can see it that way. Oh, thanks. I'll I'll make sure to tell Jared. <laughs> well, yeah, that that's it. And obviously, uh, Habs Twitter is as we're recording this in complete chaos uh, because yeah. Jordan Harris has come out and said that he will play for North Eastern, Northwestern, North, Northeastern. North, Northeastern, yeah. Uh, Northeastern um, next year as well. Um, and and for me, I, he's one year away from his uh, bachelor degree. It makes sense. We know how he's committed to his studies, uh, partly from interviews with, with his coach and also partly with interviews with, with other um people in, in the Habs uh, sphere or, or media sphere. And, and he has also been very committed to Montreal Canadiens at that time. So I don't mm. understand really why everyone is up in flames. Of course, people remembers uh, Fox and Weasley, but, but people also forget Killorn, who's arguably had a better career than either of the other two so far. Yeah, Adam Fox is still, I mean, to to be seen because he's still too young. But I think it's also, I think it's, yeah, I mean, you see a few cases of of panic. Uh, yeah, Adam Fox and Jimmy VC, uh, where they didn't sign and they went to free agency. But so then, when a player plays all of his four years in college, when you were kind of expecting him to make the leap, then you automatically figure that oh, it's going to be a new Jimmy VC. But really, I mean, if you just read the article from nhl.com and from the the canadians it seems like he's still very committed to montreal and we have no reason to uh, no reason to think otherwise at this point i mean as you say hab's twitter is going up in flames for really no reason i mean no one was expecting jordan harris to make the leap to the nhl for next season anyway and as long as they have a good relationship I mean, he just gets one year more in college. Otherwise, he wouldn't get one year in the AHL, probably. And yeah, uh, what is best for his development? I mean, that's up to Jordan Harris, his family, and the Montreal Canadiens development team. And now they've come to the conclusion that's best for him to return for senior year. And 
he's going to finish his college education and it's a smart decision as you wrote on twitter um for him uh if the hockey career doesn't work out he will always have his bachelor degree locked and loaded indeed i think i think you know, people forget that there's so many things that can go wrong. Obviously, if he signs the contract, he will have the opportunity to, no matter what happens, go back to, to university and finish that. But on the other hand, I know I went back to university after a couple of years, and it's tough to, to get into university life, university um, pace as well. Um, I think it's, it's well worth it. Uh, it really seems that Montreal has been talking with the family, with Jordan Harris, with everyone else, he um, he will be at development camp here. Matthias Burnett just just tweeted that out. Uh, he will continue his strong relationship with the Montreal Canadiens um, and who who Nicolas uh, Cloutier in, on, on TVA. He he was also speaking about it in regards to the fact that Jim Madrigan, the, the coach of Northeastern, is, is saying that you know he's so dedicated to his studies. He doesn't want to give that up and that's fair and mm. and obviously you know montreal no no other team can offer him more money Let, let's be clear with that because it's an entry-level yeah. contract and that is you know written in stone more or less according to the cba the yeah. the, other, the only other thing they can offer him is maybe play time in the big club uh, mm. something that we're not sure that montreal can at, at the next level but on the other hand, if Montreal has first right to sign him, and if they don't, they will sign him and train him anyway. Uh, worst case, um, he, he will go, he will be lost. But on the other hand, you also have to look at it, and, and I like Jordan Harris, it's not that. Uh, you, you look at it, that left side on, on defense is completely filled up. It's, it's yeah, I, th I think I think that is why a lot of people are reacting because they are figuring that oh, Jordan Harris, he seems like a smart kid. He has realized that Montreal has a lot of left-handed D prospects, and he won't have an easy time making the team. So that's why he won't sign, and then he will go to free agency instead and pick a team that is more suitable for him. But then again, we don't know that, and nothing said, nothing in the memo from the Canadians says that he is, you know that he is kind of decommitting or anything. It seems like he's still fully committed and the Canadians are fully committed to Jordan Harris. And yeah, because no other teams that has had this happen has sent out a press release a year ahead of, of, of no. deadline to sign him uh, and said, we're not going to sign him this year. We're going to sign him next year. No other team has done that, but they seem really, no. really certain. This is, yeah. I, I, I don't see any problem with this. On the other, on, on the contrary, I, I only see positive things, and and for for Harris, and he's going to go there. He's going to be the captain. He's going to lead his team. He's going to play tons of minutes, and and then we'll see. Mm. And and it all comes down to the respect between the club, the player, and the family of the player. And it seems like that respect is is well founded between the Harrises and and Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and I also think that um, at this point, we have seen Alexander Romanov go in and play on both sides of the defense. And defense. He can do that. He plays as well on the right side as he does on the left side. Then we have, of course, Matthias Norlinder in Sweden. And, and we he, plays, have... he plays more on the right side anyway. 
exactly. Um, and then we have like, I mean, we have Jaden Struble as well uh, in Northeastern, uh, Harris's teammate. And uh, of course, you start to wonder, like, does it affect Montreal's uh, wish to sign? Uh, of course, they're going to sign Struble to an entry-level deal as well. But if they may um, postpone that for a year as well, or maybe do the opposite, that they sign Struble this offseason to get him because he's he's so physically ready. But at the same time, I think he could he could really use to to groom a little bit more in the NCAA. Uh, but it's just interesting to follow the Struble deal if they're going to sign both of them at the same time to entry level contracts and let them marinate uh, in the uh, in the AHL for a year or so. But if you look at it, there really aren't that many. Um, if you look at the left-handed D in the Montreal Canadiens right now, I mean, it's Ben Chirot, right? And he, if he doesn't get, get claimed by Seattle this summer, I think he will he will probably be gone by by next summer, right? When he's, uh, his three-year deal is up. Then you have Joel Edmondson, who is on a four-year deal, and he will still be there. Um, but then you have guys like Brett Kulak and Victor Mete, who arguably aren't as important for the Canadiens' future. So... If Romanov and Norlinder can move to to the right side, and uh, where you also have Petrian and uh, Weber, obviously, but they are getting up there in age, then it shouldn't be a problem if the Canadian sees great development from guys like Jordan Harris and Jaden Struble down the line. Yeah, for for me, it's it's I'm, I'm not worried. Uh, everyone says they're, they're they're exactly the right things. Everyone is is I mean, as I said, Montreal is publishing a a press release in regards to a player that choose to stay with, with, with his university. And, and let's face it, there were, um, Arthur Lekkonen, uh, was a, he, he was four years in Sweden. There was not this panic about him. Uh, same with, with, uh, Lucas Vedemo. Obviously there is a certain, they will not become free agents at that time because Montreal can still keep their rights. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. but, but, there's not been panic about this. It's just panic because of of what happened to to Fox and Weezy. And and I I you forget all the other players that have succeeded, staying with their teams and then gone forward. And you know, as I mentioned, Killorn. And and then you have to figure out as well how how far of a rebuild is is Boston going to be, and how far of a rebuild is Anaheim going to be, and 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 those teams that will look to sign him maybe. But don't have that respect built up over four uh, four years of, of since the draft, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it all comes down to this. It all comes down to the respect. It all comes down to to different other things that you know intangibles. And and as long as I hear what I hear from from other sources that puts them on Twitter or or what I read from the official press release, I'm not worried at all. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I just looked up, um, um, there was an article from uh, State of Hockey in um, 2018 where they said that um, in 2018, 311 players who have seen at least one regular season of NHL game um, own their skills in college before making the leap to the professional ranks. Um, And uh, there was also, uh, there was saying something about how many um, I was looking for how many stayed for four years. Um, yeah, over 32% of the NHLers who played college hockey spent all four years in school, with 70% staying at least three years on campus. Um, 
And then 23% of the former college players who played in the NHL this year were undrafted free agents. Um, but I think the fact, I, I think that Jimmy Vesey was a, a unique situation, right? Uh, but then when it happened with Adam Fox as well, I think that people were starting to think that, oh, this is going to be a thing now. And I'm wondering, like, wasn't there a guy? Um, there was a guy called Jake Evans and, and he played four yeah, years in college and, and he signed with Montreal. Yeah, I'm just wondering, wasn't it the same with, uh, was it Josh Manson or something who had the same kind of deal? Um, there was there was a defensive guy as well who played. I think he, he uh, was just arguing that he wasn't going to sign, so he was traded before. I think it was a third guy as well, but I can't remember who it was. Um, it wasn't Josh Manson. It was someone in Colorado, or he got traded to Colorado. Uh, but I think that fans are just looking at this and seeing like, oh, it's going to be a thing for Jordan Harris as well now because it's happened two or three times. Um but yeah, as you say, like there are so many others who did play all their four years in college. And we have to remember as well, Jordan Harris was a, was a third round player. I mean, it's not like he was this monstrous uh, first round superstar kind of guy. No, he has developed nicely in college, much thanks to what the Canadians development team and every, everyone, the work they have done. Right. So yeah, I see no reason why Jordan Harris wouldn't want to sign next year. And with both Jimmy Vesey and Adam Fox, it was just as Jared Book wrote uh, wrote on Twitter that the relationship soured. So that's why they didn't sign. And there doesn't seem to be anything of that right now between the Canadians and Jordan Harris, if you once again look at the memo. Indeed, indeed. It's uh, been... Um, a tough day for that, but but tougher has been in, in many ways for Vancouver to beat Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we're looking back a little bit at a series that Montreal took comfortably in the end, even if it uh, needed uh, shootouts and exercising the demons of the retro jerseys mm. or reverse retro jerseys in the last game. But but. In some ways, you have to wonder what would have happened. We can always speculate, of course, but yeah. you, you have to wonder what has happened with Elias Pettersson and, and why isn't Vancouver better? But on the other hand, uh, Montreal made the most of that and, and has grabbed most of the points in that series with uh, is it six wins and, and three overtime losses. Yeah, it is. Six wins and three overtime losses. So it's 15 out of 18 possible points. Which, which we have to say is extremely good for, for a team that is still knocking about and, and uh, knocking, knocking off teams uh, left, right and center in, in other setups. Because it really seems like the North Division has turned into this rock, paper, scissors thing where some teams play very, very well against other teams, but are then beaten by lesser teams. And it goes in a circle. And, and it's, we all thought that it would be Montreal and and. Toronto at the top two positions uh, early at the, at the start. But when we look at it now, it seems like um, there are still four teams in the hunt and then there are uh, for, for first position. And then there is one team more or less in, in, in the hunt for, for the last playoff spot. Mm. Yeah, it really is. And it's, um, I mean, it was an important game just to, to uh, as Dominic Duchamp said uh, after the press conference uh, on the press conference after the last game, just that 
uh, it's good to break that curse because we don't have to <laughs> have to uh, answer those questions anymore. Like now we have won in a shootout, and now we've won in the reverse retro jerseys. So just let that let that just be in the past now, and let's just continue. And it's just important to to especially when a team like Vancouver, who's right behind, um, comes to visit, and that you don't lose points. Uh, now we've ended up with three three. Um, perfect. Um, so just maintain that uh, fourth position and just look look upwards instead. Indeed, and, and it has really been a bit surprising. We, we thought Demko would be better, obviously. Mon- uh, Vancouver thought so as well. Uh, we obviously thought it was the time for Elias Patterson to come in and shine. He's been out injured the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. But but Montreal has, has also had Tyler Toffoli <laughs> really owning the Vancouver Canucks, <laughs> at least at the start. Mm. But um, we, we also have to mention Thomas Tatar's, I mean, filthy shootout goals for, for me it looked like he was faking a Forsberg or a Nilsson as we say in Sweden but 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 um and, and then actually went the other way again uh, yeah. a, a fantastic move uh, and you can see on the bench what it meant for for, for the team and and his teammates and uh, in some ways I wish that the uh, the Bell Center was filled for that game because it would it, it could have lifted that team uh, even higher. Mm. Yeah, uh, it just felt during the during that last game, and also like during the last um, the last weeks, you, you feel that the Deno line is just coming back to where they have been in the past. And it was just great for Tomas Tatar to to get that goal because you know that it's kind of been bugging him. You can just see it, and it's just I think that the confidence he gained from from that goal and and he had he had another goal it was just that Joe Ledmanson had already put it in but he put in the rebound just because and it just felt like when he went up and was going to shoot his penalty it was just like oh he's in the zone right now and he knows it so he had the upper he had the the advantage on Braden Holtby um and yeah it was just it just felt like if you can't win a shootout when when Vancouver just misses and misses and Carey Price just felt like he he owned the Vancouver forwards during the shootout. It just felt like, well, if you're not going to win here, you're never going to win. <laughs> you're never going to win in overtime again. So yeah, it just it was it was just great. I, I remember writing it. I think it was in third period or something when Montreal went up to four four. I wrote in our Slack channel just like. Do you think that this will be the time when they actually they win in overtime in the reverse retro jerseys and just like take off both of those ghosts off the market? And yeah, it ended up being that way. Uh, to be fair, there was a lot of <laughs> that, the, the last time uh, Habs Twitter went up in flames was obviously during that game when when everyone was lashing out, left, right, and center was lashing out on on Carey Price. Personally, I can't really see how. Price can no, save why, all why of those four goals. Yeah, why was it Price's fault? I mean, it's just four out of sixteen shots looks bad, but it wasn't Price. No, it was it was the defense. It was uh, he was being screened, uh, and and you, you can also argue that you know we're so used to have Carey Price take everything, and if you look at the month of March, his his saving percentage is really really good, but but yeah. we're used to that. But and, and every time he has a bad game, people remember that rather than the good games that he has. 
Um, I know, I know, but I didn't even feel like he had a bad game. It was just unfortunate that, I mean, the chances that Vancouver actually got were, you know, they, they got too many high-quality chances. Yeah. And and it was just like, Vancouver didn't have anything. They had two shots in the first period, they had four shots in the third period, and then they had a decent second period. Like, they had nothing. That game should have ended like five or six to naught. Like, if everything... Or, or if two, were, at least, for, for some of those chances were really, really odd. Sure, sure. But, I mean, it's just it, it was just a weird game because it didn't feel like Vancouver was even in it. But then all of a sudden they had the lead. And it felt like when, when Montreal took the lead 3-2, Joel Edmondson's goal, you just felt like, oh, now they're going into the period break and it's just going to... They're just going to continue to to just move forward and they're just going to kill this game off. And then Vancouver comes out and scores twice in the first 30 seconds. And it's just like, what? And they did the Again? same thing they did the same thing in the second period. So it was like, yeah. guys, can you just come out and skate a minute before next time? Uh, yeah, it was just, it was 22 seconds into the second period and 22 seconds into the third. And it's just like, why? And it just, just didn't come out of, like in the second period, for example, the goal that... Um, Vancouver, um, I can't remember who who was tying it up, but it was just, it came out of, like, I think it was a Nick Suzuki, um, just that he lost the puck behind the net and yeah. just ended up, like, in front and it just, like, yeah, uh, just a tie game. And it was just, like, on their, what was it, that third shot of the game or something? And just, like, yeah, that was unnecessary. And that's kind of been the case. It just feels like the Canadians are giving up too many, I mean, easy goals, Carey Price has played excellently, and Jake Allen has played, you know, as well as can be for most of his games. But but it's just there are too many situations where it just ends up becoming too high quality chances in 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 difficult areas. Um, and if you can just dial back on them, then this team is actually moving toward a positive direction. Indeed, and we have a game that comes up in a couple of hours, three yeah. hours and 48 minutes to be exact. Uh, and then obviously there will be a, a two-hour-long intro to, to remember the reverse jersey uh, and, and everything. But, but you know, it's, it's the, it's the uh, Bell Center and we expect uh, some kind of uh, ceremony for everything. But in yeah. the other way, uh, we're looking to, to the um, Edmonton, uh, three games against Edmonton. It's a home stand against Edmonton. It'll be interesting to to really see. And I am unfortunately very excited to see a um, Finnish player that is born in Sweden and uh, has just yes, returned. Eh. It's 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 he's just returned into Edmonton after a couple of years in Finland. Uh, yes, Puljo Jarvi. Yeah, playing with with Connor McDavid has really elevated his game. Uh, he's not getting that much time just yet, but there was an excellent article where they compared his stats numbers to uh, before he left for Carpet uh, and after he has come back, uh, time spent with, with McDavid. And there are very similar numbers. It was just that he got so little time before he left. So essentially, was those two years needed? Yeah, they were. Let's be honest yeah. with that because he looks like a more complete player. He looks more comfortable. But, but the first two lines of Edmonton Oilers are the ones you have to look out for. And, and you need the Dano line to actually cancel one of them out for sure. Mm. No, for sure. And that's what was so 
um, so great about the last game that just felt like the Denol line was back in business. And when they are on, you know that they can shut down basically any line in the in the league. That was what we saw during the Pittsburgh series in the play-in. Um, and if they can do that during this three-game home stretch against Edmonton, then a lot is won already. Because if you can shut down one of the uh, one of those super lines, yeah, then you know Montreal can focus more on the offensive side. Because let's face it, the the Edmonton third and fourth line aren't as impressive. Um, but Montreal, yeah, as we've talked about all season, Montreal is a deep team, uh, whilst others aren't. So, yeah, let's uh, let's hope for a, a good a good development during um, during tonight's game because it will really it will really continue into into this week. And um, yeah, yeah, and you have to really consider as well that I when I'm looking at the lineup, you would have to consider it that it is the moving line. Uh, Army, I caught Kanyemi Lekon, and that will have to step up and and cancel out the second line for 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 um, Mon- uh, for Edmonton, and and in that way releasing Nick Suzuki and his line to play a better offensive game and mm. and, and take on the the bottom two lines from from Edmonton. How much do you think it's going to affect that Tyler Foley is out for the entire series? I mean, in some ways, it will affect the offense, but the question is, will will the defense be stronger? Because that is what you're getting at, in in, in a way. I would have liked to see uh, Paul Byron being benched for for a game or two. Um, I think that you know, Met and Romanov is is looking pretty pretty strong uh, mm. from what we saw against Vancouver. It's it's another level though to to face. Edmonton with the speed, but both of these guys are very speedy defenders. And if they can mm. find the chemistry, I'm, I'm thinking that's good. But, but yeah, you, you have to look at it from 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 the problem, uh, from from the angle that you're probably strengthening the Kotkaniemi line with arm two defensive responsible players with Lekan and Armia. They might not chip in that much for uh, in, into the offensive zone. And uh, when they do, it seems like uh, Armia and Lekanen are the same kind of players. They can't really score <laughs> right now. And uh, if they do, it's a bonus. But but mm-hmm. if if you can get Jesper Kotkaniemi to really build his confidence and and he he looks sharper in the face-off circle, Kotkaniemi um, yeah, is playing great. He is, and and it's it's being overshadowed by everything else in in many ways. Yeah. But if you get that line to really take on a, a big defensive responsibility i can see montreal doing really well in this series yeah but if you look at kofkaniem's underlying numbers i mean they are, have been impressing impressive for the last month and uh, yeah so it's just no matter who you because he has played with basically everyone it feels like because dujam has kind of made this rotation around the uh, to see who works with who and kofkaniem has been you know he, he has performed above expectations i feel like during during march yeah and and it is kind of the kotkaniemi that we saw bits and pieces of in in uh, laval last year and and yeah. a little bit of, of what we saw the first year um i didn't really see it in in finland because he he was used differently but on the other hand he he got those games in finland I think there were eight or ten, 
but he got those games. And I think Dan has built his confidence a little bit. And, and he came into the season with a different attitude, different confidence. I also, I know we spoke about it on one of our pods. I think he has lowered his center of gravity. He's not falling down as much as he did earlier, where he built up his shoulders, his, his chest muscles. It seems to me that he's strengthened his core, strengthened his leg muscles to get a lower center of gravity and thereby bettering his balance. Uh, I think mm-hmm. this also helps him in the face-off circle. Uh, obviously, I showed <laughs> I, I did a gif of his face-off technique in in Finland and, and got laughed at from from a couple of Leaf fans. Uh, why do you show a face-off? Yeah, because he has been not been good before, but but he is a mm-hmm. couple of percentiles uh, or, or points of percentiles behind uh, Dano, who's trusted in every situation, and and it. Sometimes I, I, I wish you put Jesper Kotkaniemi out there first on the on the three on three or, or uh, power play etc. And and it remains to be seen what can be done with the power play and, and box play because this will be a trial by fire because we know that Edmonton's power play will will probably score a few goals so you need your own power play to do the same and they cannot be Montreal cannot be on in top of taking pe- two minute penalties. In, in, in NHL anymore. That that really just has to stop. It doesn't matter what yeah, you yeah, do. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Against Edmonton, you can't you can't give them that chance. No, no. It's it's the same as Toronto basically. Like it, I mean it's 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 teams who are built for man advantage. So just you know don't take unnecessary penalties. But I was just gonna uh, didn't they didn't Dujan start the uh, three on three um the last game with Kotkin after you wrote the takeaway Oh uh, yeah, you, you, my Latin takeaway that that oh it was yeah. a hilarious post in there where always wear underwear in in Latin. Uh, I, I think <laughs> I'm going to frame that and put it in my classroom. Uh, but, but but it was it was brilliant. Uh, but but yeah, I, I mean, um, I I I really enjoyed writing uh, to, to writing that article. I have to say that uh, it was something that has been bothering me for a lot of time, and and it seemed like Ducharme. Uh, he didn't read it, but, but there seemed to have been a lot of reading going on because he might have. He might there, have. There was there was someone. Uh, uh, was a Gordy that that stole or, or replied to Scott in, in after like two minutes where Weber had had stepped up and, and broken up a, a play, and Scott has just written that you know, you, or if it was no, it was Matt that that wrote it, uh, Matt Drake, and and you know. It, it seemed like yeah, you read eyes on the prize because you hadn't, you wouldn't have commented this early in the game. Otherwise, obviously, then it, it mm. seemed like like Desharm had read eyes on the prize as well. Obviously, I don't think he has, but but it, it really seemed that way because he changed the lineup directly. Partly because I think half the media in Montreal was on him, like how can you start this way? And and okay, you have him on to win the faceoff, but then he has to get off directly after as well. And he didn't. Dunno mm-hmm. didn't that time. And and uh, <laughs> well, I'm I'm sorry, Anton. I know you love Italy, but it really seemed that uh, Montreal had taken a leaf out of the uh, Italian football playbook from the 80s, where we don't know what to do, just pass the goalkeeper again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for sure. Yeah, that that's. I mean, uh, Carey Price was the. I think he was the player who had the puck most during that overtime. Um, it was just very, very strange to watch. Um, but yeah, Carey Price is great with his uh, with his stick, fortunately. So 
Um, he can he can act as a playmaker, but uh, not if you want to score goals, maybe. No, and, and you have to, in some ways, you know you have won a point already. Um, this is not a three-point system in a way, uh, as we have in Europe. This is a two-point system with a bonus point. So, mm. you know, go for it. Uh, I, I, we, we all, even if we lost in Sweden, uh, that overtime by b- between North America under 20s or, or youngsters or whatever the team was called and Sweden was incredible. I think, you know, just thinking about it, my pulse uh, mm-hmm. gets another couple of beats a minute because it, it was just incredible. And those are in some ways the the overtime we'll see, we want to see because we want to see goals. But yeah. the way Ducharme approached the last couple of, of, of overtimes has been not to lose them. And, and I think that as, yeah, it's not my kind of hockey all the time. But I can understand where he's coming from. And uh, he needs to get confident. I, I really like Ducharme as, as a coach so far. He's not afraid to spice it up a little bit. He's not a, afraid to, to move a few players around. Uh, and I think he will do well this season uh, the question is if he will do as well to keep the job after the season i think yeah i think me and jared have, have talked about that that if mark bergevin is still there um as the gm at the start of next season then dominic Duchamp will be his coach yeah but the they question are is riding, if, if, if someone else dying. comes in as a gm will he still yep. be the coach yeah that's of course that that is a different question and this is his audition, obviously. So, uh, yeah, uh, when it comes to three-on-three, Montreal maybe isn't built for, uh, as we talk about all the time, Montreal is deep, right? It's not top-heavy. So Montreal isn't really built for that kind of hockey. Um, compared to teams like Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto. Uh, but, yeah, my, uh, you are in it to win it and, and get that extra point. On the other side, if we look at it, um, the first overtime loss, and then uh, well, the overtime loss against Vancouver. I mean, it's it's Josh Anderson, right, who has the chance right before yeah. the Vancouver goal. Yeah, if he just you know if he scores there, no one is complaining, right? So it's small margins here and there, uh, especially in three on three. It's just uh, it's basically um, just high chaparral. Yeah, it it really is, but. Uh... I prefer a proper shootout rather than a one-shot shootout. Uh, in that, but that's just me. Uh, also, I'm not coaching the, in the NHL, so take it for what it's worth. Um, it's I'm always... Gonna, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to add from, from out of absolutely nowhere, but the guy that I was thinking about who didn't sign with this drafted team earlier was Will Butcher, who now plays for the Devils. Um, he so, was drafted by the Colorado Avalanche, and he played for Denver during his college career and then he didn't want to sign with Colorado which is ironic since he was in Denver but then he uh, yeah he was traded to uh, to New Jersey I think but yeah, yeah so there are different as well right he I think so he was, was so was Adam Fox if I don't remember if, if I remember yeah, yeah, yeah Adam Fox was two two seconds for Adam Fox I remember that one yeah because so, uh, I mean, my friend as a like, Rangers supporter was very happy uh, about that I, I like Harris I think I still think he will sign if we go back to to what we started this podcast with uh, but if he doesn't, I'm sure that somehow Montreal no. will get some kind of reimbursement, no. if just only for the rights to negotiate with him before all other teams get it. 
Will Butcher became a free agent. He didn't. He wasn't traded. I thought he was traded, but he wasn't. Oh, so yeah. he he yeah he had uh, as many as ten teams apparently were after him, and then he signed. I think uh, he signed. And, and Fox had already stated in some ways that he wanted to New York, right? Wasn't that the reason as well? I think and, that and was I think one of the reasons. Carolina got got reimbursed for it because of that. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it was just uh, everyone was happy, kind of. It was kind of kind of that deal. Um, but yeah, uh, Jordan Harris, we don't know what will happen, but there's no reason to be alarmed just yet. Um, and yeah, I think I, I saw that Grant McCad Grant McCag wrote on Twitter that Jordan Harris apparently was a huge Bruins fan growing up and that, that uh, supposedly could have something to do with that. But if that is a part of your decision, then you're really not a professional. Uh, on the other the hand, that... I would I would have to say I would love much as we know that Cole Caulfield said that he studied French in school because he wanted to play for Montreal. Those are yeah. some of the players you want as well. So I can understand if you have the chance to pick your team. Of course. Yeah, but like, I, I, yeah, but I think as well, Cole Caulfield's whole narrative is stronger now to the Canadians because he got drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. Would, would these stories have come out if he wasn't drafted by the Canadians? No, of course not. Um, but like I, I, I can't imagine that Jordan Harris is just like, well, I'm a Bruins supporter, so uh, I was a Bruins supporter growing up. So now that I have learned and, and you know got to learn the Canadians, I won't sign with them because I want to have the opportunity to go to whichever team I want, and it shouldn't be the Bruins arch rival. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that it seems like they have a good relationship, as I've, yeah. as we've said before, and I still imagine that he will sign at the end of next season. Yeah, uh, if not, I will um, drink and we'll save this beer. It's a popple New England Pale Ales, uh, funnily enough. So I will save that beer and uh, I will chug it as fast as I can if Jordan Harris doesn't sign with Montreal Canadiens. It's a very good beer, so I don't want to chug it. That's and we want we want a video evidence of that. Yeah, yeah, of course. If it happens, it will be video yes. evidence. I will uh, I will do the thing where you shake it and uh, hit holes in it and just drink it as yeah. or drink it, just get it sprayed into your mouth more or less. Uh, and and kids, remember that don't drink and drive uh, because because that is something we we really don't want to hear about. Mm-hmm. Um, in other ways, I will uh, just chim in here with the fact that uh, Tim Rowe is four nil up against AIK, who just had a five-minute penalty, uh, and there's been two goals during that five-minute penalty. Uh, unfortunately for Habs play, uh, fans yeah. and, and uh, prospect nerds, Jacob Olsson hasn't scored, and I haven't watched the game, obviously, because I've, I've been speaking to you guys. Um, yeah. But this is this is the time for Jacob Olsson to step up and shine. Um, and and it will be interesting. I will judge Jacob Olsson, as I said on on the EPRs, that uh, I will judge Jacob Olsson on his performance in these playoffs. Uh, if that is is as a defensive center or if it's as an offensive center, uh, it doesn't matter. I will judge him on on how he's playing in the role that he's been given. Um, mm. And and I think that is that is the only thing we can do. I, I of the European prospects, I. I depending on how you count John Mishak right now, um, because he's obviously in Laval. Uh, I, I only see, out of out of the ones, I only see Norlinder making the jump. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Montreal tries to grab Courtin, uh, Courtin 
I think they pronounced it when I listened to, to the Russian media um, next year or the year after. Uh, he has a lot to prove, but but he can be an interesting player because he has a nose for the net, and, and that's interesting yeah. as well. Um, we're going to leave you with this. Uh, we uh, Jared isn't here, but he has sent us a message saying that uh, he believes Jordan Harris will sign with the Montreal Canadiens as well, uh, as do we too. So everyone just relax at least for another year, and then we'll see what happens in in March next year. And uh, exactly, panic when when there is reason to panic. Don't panic ahead of time. Indeed, uh, always good to speak to you, Anton. Uh, all the rest of you enjoy the Edmonton series. Hopefully, we'll we'll get out with a few points ahead and and uh, get closer to the top two in the in the division. Um, if not, let's just not lose as much. We stay in the fourth spot. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back later this week with more news in regards to the Montreal Canadiens. Please follow us on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, etc., etc. when it comes to Eyes on the Prize. Uh, and um, please leave us some messages if, you, if there's anything in particular you want us to, to speak about. Thank you guys for listening. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.